The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, have you come back a zillionaire or did you lose all your money at Cheltenham? I lost all my money. Oh, Kev, yeah. you'd think by yeah, now you'd, my... you'd, you'd be better at this game. Well, I've been going for, uh, we were trying to figure it out. It's either nine or ten years we've been going. Oh. And with the exception of the COVID year, uh, or two years or however many we missed. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever had come back with more money in my pocket than I went with. Do you, do, do you are you too embarrassed to tell us how much you you managed? Oh to... no no no, it's not a lot. I mean, I don't. I'm not a gambler. I don't really. I don't kind of believe in that. But I, I take take about a hundred quid of me for my Cheltenham yeah. day out, yeah. and if I come back with more or less that in my pocket, then it's been a good day. But. Yeah, that wouldn't buy you one round of, of drinks at the bar with the amount of boys. No, 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 you know. no that's for putting on the horses. Oh, yeah. I so, see. And there's only there's only five races. Oh, is it seven races? Remember, I don't know. There's only a handful of races. Yeah, so they're like every half hour. First ones are half one. Yeah. Last ones are uh, half five. Yep. It's a bit of fun. It's good fun. What race was uh, was Star in? Did Star appear in any? No, but I might put her in there because some of the the, the, <laughs> the prize win the prize funds they put it up on the on the screens there. You wouldn't see it on the telly, but while you're there, they put it up because a lot of people are interested in actual horse racing. Yeah. And uh, and like the lowest level race on the Wednesday that we went. The winning horse got seventy-eight thousand pounds. Or the trainer got seventy-eight thousand pounds. Eight thousand quid, Kev. You yeah, know, just to, for running around for four to, miles. Yes, sell a bazillion, um, bazillion presets to get to that. Oh. Much. The Fuji cast. Oh, what, what about the? Is there still a prize for the last horse? <laughs> I think they all get something. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think you get anything if you fall off. No, but I just you know, just let Star chunt around with um, with Rosa on the back. And uh, collect, collect your 5,000 quid at the end just for coming last. It's pretty brutal, I have to say. When they fall, I don't like it. I don't, no. I don't like no. watching them fall. No, no. Well, Although, yeah. uh, just tell, tell Rosa. we're in good this time, which is good. Tell Rosa to just steer around the uh, uh, the jumps. Anyway, welcome to the Fuji cast. Here we are again. Um, if you'd like to uh, have a question uh, on the show, then there's two ways to do that. You can send it uh, via Facebook. Um, and Kev is in charge of that. Kev, how do we do the Facebook questions? Go to Facebook, go to the Fujicast Facebook group, and you go to the pin thread at the top of the post that says questions for the show. And um, if you want to send it by email, then it's click at fujicast.co.uk. On the show today, uh, Christina Varaxina, uh, who is, um, well, she shoots fashion. Um, she also has this project, Kev, where she, she works um, with self-portraiture, which I want to talk about as well. Um, have you ever done a self-portrait, Kev? Is there is there a is there a sort of is there a a, a gallery of um, of Kev self-portraits somewhere hiding out? <laughs> no, we've all done self-portraits, haven't we? We've all done selfies and yeah. all that kind of stuff, and you know, tested a lens and and all that. So in that respect, yes. But no, I don't have the. I don't have the face or the wide enough lens to do a book. Oh, <laughs> do yourself a disservice. Stop it. Um, do we have a book of the week, by the way? I didn't ask you when we were uh, setting up. No. For the, no, 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 no book of the week. Uh, no. But we do. No, have, we unless, do have, unless you want me to read Mind Over Muscle. Mind Over Muscle? By Jigoro Kano. I don't know that book. What's that? No, you won't. It's the biography of Jigoro Kano, who is the founder of judo. Oh, how old is judo? <laughs> Uh, well, kind of uh, eighteen, late eighteen hundreds, kind of was the jujitsu thing generation, and then 
judo kind of came in in the early 1900s right. and uh yeah kind of pretty young really did jiu-jitsu come first then i always thought that was a yeah. modern martial art no jiu-jitsu oh. is is kind of the the granddaddy of them all really but no you not 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 that um uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu the modern stuff that all the hipsters do they just ro- roll around on the floor naked what? proper jiu-jitsu standing up jiu-jitsu what's the naked one kev <laughs> <laughs> just type it in type in brazilian jiu-jitsu or oh, just I'm if not you want sure if i want to do that because, <laughs> because our, our chrome is shared around the house they'll see what we're all looking up um what, brazilian jiu-jitsu is 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 what scott johnson does oh does he do it naked brazilian jiu-jitsu but they're not naked kev they're all wearing suits on this one <laughs> yeah some of them wear suits some of them like to get their muscles out what <laughs> basically brazilian jiu-jitsu is judo without the standing up bit right okay is it all a bit poserish then that one is it, is no, it no. Is i it? mean they're, they're very good athletes i mean a, right. a proper high-end brazilian jiu-jitsu um student if you like yeah. will 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 be a very 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 good athlete yeah definitely. although there's but an inter- it's, it's not the fun part of it for me the fun no. part is the throwing and the yeah all of that stuff oh here we go the guardian wrote about it Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a sport that is full of bravado and masculinity and strength. Oh, but also trust and compassion. Yeah. It's a proper sport, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if within probably the next couple of Olympics it makes it into the Olympics. Really? Yeah, and they'll probably kick out judo for it. They saw, they've already kicked judo out of the Commonwealth Games. Australia, they get to choose, don't they, what sports they can they can eject. Mm. So because the Commonwealth Games in Australia next, so they and they're rubbish at judo, Australian, so they, <laughs> we won't have judo. <laughs> we'll just take that one out, boys. We don't want that one. The Brits mm. always win all of the medals at judo at the Commonwealth Games, so they're like, right, let's let's eject that one. <laughs> right. Anyway, enough of this judo stuff. Uh, yes. We've got a few people to thank. Uh, we've, we've got some new patrons uh, this month. Who do we need to, to thank, Kev? We do. Uh, I am very quickly typing in Excel. And it will launch, and I will click on patrons, and I will say we have a Gurmeet Singh Dangel. Thank right. you very much, Gurmeet. We have Zishan Khan. Oh, good old Zishan. Yes. Yeah. And we have uh, the latest um, person who has supported us on Patreon is Rampant Panda. He's <laughs> who, Kev? <laughs> rampant panda and i think if you find if you check your inbox you'll see that one of the questions was sent in by a rampant panda oh yeah so, <laughs> so so thank you to you three for supporting us on patreon remember if you do if you do wish to support us on patreon for the price of a coffee a month yeah. you can do so and you get the um patreon pop-up show which will be available to our patrons immediately after yeah. this show goes live uh this morning and uh and we do um kind of um, reviews and kind of slight critiques of yeah. uh, stuff that they send in kind nice. kind critiques kind critiques. rampant panda there we go i bet he does brazilian jiu-jitsu that's for sure like it. Yeah, yeah it seems like it. uh he yeah. does shall we start with his question then um since yeah, he emailed one in. yeah hello i've really enjoyed listening to your podcast so much so that i'm considering buying you a coffee well you already have rampant do there i call you are. rampant or do i call you panda and two straws per month via patreon but I do need to clarify something. All the tears of the Patreon state, Neil and Kev will love you forever. I need to know what kind of love this is exactly. And is there a difference in the amount of love between the tears? Just to make sure. Thanks very much. Rampant. Is <laughs> somebody taking a mickey. Somebody's made up an email address and they've put some money in a pot, haven't they? 
I, I don't care. They can all make up their email addresses if they give us money. I, I feel I feel funny questions coming on. It's a very good question, though. Do we love people that spend more money more, Kev, or do we love everybody equally? We love everybody equally, yeah, because yeah, I think that's the way the world should be. Yeah. Um, but secretly, we love people more the more money they give us. It's <laughs> just we it. don't get any more physical love. No, no. <laughs> No, we'll have none to give. I'm all out of love, as the song went. Mm. Right, questions then. Let's get going with camera questions. I'm loving my XH2Ss, by the way, Kev. Very, very pleased. Mm. Mm -mm. Tell me about the the focus switch. No, that bit I don't love. No, (laughs) that's why I sent them back. (laughs) No, that bit... um, I knew it wasn't there. It was really weird, Kev. Uh, When uh, I was actually uh, shooting an event... And I look. I knew the button wasn't there. We've talked about it so much, haven't we? This is the button that you can choose between manual, um, uh, single shot, or continuous, isn't it? Uh, focus. And so I knew the button wasn't there. The little. It's always on the front, isn't it? And on the. If you turn the camera towards you, it's on the in the right right hand side, just down at the bottom, isn't it? And um, uh, and I knew it wasn't there, but. <laughs> I can't tell you. I was I was looking at this camera thinking, well, where's the button? Is it on the back? Is it is it underneath <laughs> underneath? I just I my little mind would not accept that the button is no longer there and that you have to go through a menu. Yeah, I couldn't get used to it. And that, that ultimately that was what did it for me. And I didn't I didn't quite like the I, I couldn't get I just even though the electronic viewfinder is is more advanced and better and brighter and all that kind of stuff mm. it just didn't like it it didn't I, I found the XT and X Pro ones better well, anyway no, I, so I, I saw mine yeah. you bought yours yeah. and everybody is happy yeah no I like that bit I, I do I, this the this the EVF is I think the best I've ever used in the in the Fuji film range um, good hmm. well there we go everybody's happy so questions you're gonna go with Facebook first. Yeah, I'll start. I'll start. And uh, as usual, I'll start with the most recent one, which was from two days ago. Daniel Kiss. Mm. Daniel says, uh, question for the show. How would you start the process of asking somebody to mentor you? Mm. Where to start, how to choose who to ask, how to evaluate that person is right for you. Thank you. I, I'd be interested to know who they, who, who's going to mentor. Well, I, well don't I don't know. I think that's the question is he's, he's looking for one, right. but doesn't really know the right way to kind of go about trying to find them. Um, oh, I, see. Right, and okay. I don't really know what, what kind of industry, whether it's uh, presumably weddings, you don't normally get kind of commercial photographers. Mm. They, they kind of do assisting, don't they? And stuff. Yeah rather than mentoring um so yeah i don't know what's your thoughts well is it important to have a mentor do you need do you need one um no. i uh, I'm, I'm really so I'm, I'm sort of playing a bit devil's advocate here so bear with me kev but in in the days when you didn't have youtube telling you how to do everything mm. um having a mentor having somebody that you could trust to guide you through not just the technicalities of, of making new pictures but to also look at the pictures that you've made, I would imagine was uh, was really important. But now, with all the knowledge availability on Tinternet, is it as is it is is it as relevant? Yeah, I think we need to, you'd need to draw a um, difference between kind of technical help, if you like, and mentoring, as in business you know kind of uh progressing through you know whether it's critiquing images or talking about the, the business and, and marketing and all that kind of stuff yeah um but yeah i mean to go back to what you said at the beginning do you need a mentor and then the answer is a flat no you don't need to have one but i feel like some people do get a lot out of it 
um, and and how how that manifests itself is entirely up to the relationship between the mentee and the mentor, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you know, do you want somebody? It, you know, Daniel, do you want somebody who's essentially going to be your, uh, you know, your 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 help in the corner kind of thing? You know, showing them pictures and they say, mm, well, you know, think about the corners a bit more. Don't don't like the processing on that, etc. Or do you need somebody who's going to you know help you actually get the business up and running? Talk to you about uh, business practices you know uh, kind of the financial elements of things all of that stuff uh you know and you're looking more at a kind of business um, coach i suppose in that mm. respect so um you know I, I how do you go about finding somebody i, I don't know i mean i i i actually do mentoring for some people but i know yeah. they just yeah. come to me and i think that you know you've just got to find people who you admire you trust and and just reach out to them and say hey um can you help me yeah. you know and and uh you know you should if it's if it's not somebody that you've got a kind of um you know very long-standing friend friendly relationship with then you you should expect to pay that person mm. for their time and effort but on the flip side it could be somebody who is you know is a, is a is a local photographer or a local business person who you've you know you've got an acquaintance with and might just say yeah i don't mind helping you out every now and again you know just pick up the phone give me a call in which case there might not be any fees involved in that. Should, should, it, should it be reassuringly expensive? No, not necessarily. I think it depends entirely what you're looking for. You, you, you know, you if you go on Facebook, Facebook is full to the rafters these days of business coaches, mm. you know, um, not not just photography business coaches, but just general business coaches and, and, and life coaches as well, you know, life coaches. And, uh, you know, those are those are very specific skills and talents that those people have that hopefully will enable you to, you know, enhance your life, enhance your business. And, yeah, th- and that's yeah. a it's a commercial transaction between you and them. But if it's you know, if it's just somebody who, uh, you, you know, I get I, I, I have lots of kind of relationships with different photographers who, you know, I just look at their pictures or just kind of speak to them and they speak to me. They give me just as much back as I give them. So, you know, what, how do you define a mentor, I suppose, is the, you know, is the tricky thing. Um, you know, a lot of people, like I said, they're commercial photographers, certainly kind of um, uh, studio-based portrait photographers and stuff would, would, you know, they would cut their teeth by assisting photographers. Wow. And, and, and that's technically that was an assisting job, but almost definitely they would be, be a mentor along that journey. It's funny, I, I, I also think that you as you form friendships in in this business and in, in in photography that you you kind of end up in a, a light mentoring role or a mentee role anyway i mean i've always thought that my friend giles mentors me without him even knowing it um don't tell him he'll send me a bill and and i i think you do as well kev actually i've always felt that you to me are a sort of uh, in a bit of a mentor role as well uh, uh, yeah i mean i don't know about that but i you know we i think we have a friendship where we can just say to each other do you think this picture or how can i do this on squarespace or you yeah. know whatever yeah. and and that that's a friendship thing and i think that's probably the same with you and giles but also he has experiences that you haven't that you you know you can he can help you with yeah and that that's that's friendship you know and and I, I've I've been in situations where I've done a kind of transactional mentoring and it's carried on and we're now just good friends and we, you know, we chat and we, we do things together and, and all of that kind of stuff, you know. So, yeah, I mean, how do you go about finding one? First of all, I would sit down, Daniel, and, and I would, you know, I'd, I'd properly ask yourself, 
what do you think you need from uh, a mentor in quotes mm. what you know what is it exactly that you're looking for it, you know is it is it kind of um the business side of things is it just somebody to look at your pictures in which case then you know you you can you can kind of break that down it might be you just need a critique mm. you know it might just it might mean that you actually need a business coach rather than a photography mentor but yeah sit down and, and understand exactly what you need before kind of looking for it i think I'd be very scared having a life coach. Yeah, I think my, mine, um, you got it all wrong, Neil. A lot of time telling me to do things differently. Have you had a life coach then? No, I haven't. I think they'd be very busy if they did. If I did have one, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got time, Kev. Too many questions. Right, um, we've got a QQ here from Michael Marin. Uh, about grain apart from imparting a nostalgic filmic look to digital images are there other advantages to a, a little grain for example does grain contribute to a visual perception of object separation in the image or greater sense of depth i think i see this with acros compared to black and white but i could be fooling myself i i read this question i thought i think you are fooling yourself because i'm not sure that that grain gives anything a greater sense of depth unless it's muddying the image in in some kind of way because of the amount of of grain but there's no reason why why it should i, d I don't feel it would provide more object separation either do you um no i don't think object separation is a thing so first of all across does have uh, grain built into the film yes. simulation yeah 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 so if you are just looking at across and black and white film sims in a fujifilm camera you will notice some built-in grain it's there it's inherently in there it's meant to be in there uh, i think it's a good question because obviously like film in the film days you know that it's almost tangible isn't it you know and and you kind of get that element of uh, you know, this is a proper film print where the the, the light is is causing this in the sensitivity of the um, uh, light hitting the, hit in the film. Mm. But in digital world, you just tend to add it um, or try and remove it. But I I quite like I think when I saw that question, I did think about it a little bit, and I think that um, digital grain, digital noise, if you like, can enhance an image in terms of sometimes taking away that over digital look. Um, you know, it's a little bit like having the the fake scratch noise on a record on a CD, isn't it? You know, yeah. you put a CD in or on um, Spotify or something like that, and and you you know, and and, and I think that gives it a little bit of uh, authenticity, uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know, but it is fake, isn't it? So, um, yeah, but but definitely in terms of soft, certainly if you're shooting with GFX 100s and 100 megapixel sensors and all that kind of stuff, adding a bit of grain can take away that very um, clinical look, um, just adding a little bit of softness to it. So there there is there is kind of good use for it but yeah overall i think it's for an aesthetic point of view mm. in the digital world personally do you still add much grain I, i've i've come away from adding grain now yeah i do i do uh, not so much of the wedding stuff but um you know i, I well actually no i do for the wedding stuff because it's in the presets but you know it's quite subtle mm. um but i will eyeball them and, and obviously what you have to remember is i don't uh, I don't use any any kind of flash, so no. basically anything in the in the evening is quite high ISO anyway. So it's going to have that kind of natural digital ring, if you like. So yeah, I don't I don't really go a go ahead and think right. I'm going to add a whole load of green to this, but when I'm doing um, the stuff in the studio, then I do. I think that adds, gives it a really nice little finish. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know your mileage may vary, isn't it? Some people it, it, love well, it, that rig. Here's a question: When you uh, then go to optimize it for, um, say, you use something like I don't know, Blog Stomp. Uh, what's the other one um, which I've used? JPEG Mini is the other one. When you've got grain, and then you 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 resize, you're essentially resizing the image and shoving it through JPEG Mini or Blog Stomp. Other ones are available. Uh, do you, do, do, does that does does that then make the the image look grainier? Or is there something that's not quite nice when you when you optimize a grainy image for for web? Mm, I wouldn't have thought so with any of those kind of tools. But yes, if you if, if you did it in Lightroom and you exported it at like ten percent quality, then you you would enhance or the 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 kind of grain would be more obvious in the image because the softness of the overall image itself. Um, but if you're using if you're exporting as as most people would generally do it if they're using something like um, Tiny PNG is they would export at 100% and then stick that through Tiny PNG. And I would never, I, I, my my age in middle Welsh eyes would never see any difference. <laughs> is like, that what you use then, Tiny PNG? Yeah, with my age in Welsh eyes, yes. Tiny PNG. <laughs> Tiny PNG is the one I use for resizing images for web. Yeah. Oh, I never knew that. Not resizing. Uh, that's the wrong word. I don't use it to resize, I use it to scale. I, I will export all of my images from my website at 2,500 pixels on the longest edge yep. at 100% in Lightroom. Okay, so they're full size, 100% in Lightroom in terms of quality, 2,500 pixels on the longest edge. Yes. I then squeeze them up through Tiny PNG and it keeps them at 2,500 pixels on the longest edge, but it usually uh, the sizes are approximately three quarters less in terms of physical megabytes. The so scale of that. that's doing the same then as uh, JPEG Mini, essentially. Yeah, 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 it's the same thing. Different yeah. one, but this one actually, yeah. this one works with which I don't. Uh, Blogstomp doesn't, that's for sure, which is a pain. Um, I don't know whether JPEG, well, JPEG would suggest JPEG Mini would suggest it doesn't uh, work with PNGs. That's quite handy, isn't it? Having one that works with PNGs. I would imagine it does. Yeah, I mean, Tiny PNG is it's called Tiny PNG, but it will work with JPEGs and stuff. And I would imagine jpeg mini um also does that yeah i used to use jpeg mini but i just i I like tiny png better fair dues right from um facebook kev yours okay casey sisterton sister son sorry Mm -hmm. wow look at that casey sister son isn't that a cool name sister son dad mum that'd even be better um question question from the pair of you what is what is one feature that doesn't exist today on digital cameras that you believe would be a game changer hmm. no, i'm gonna have a the little, I'm gonna have a the, for this. The, the little button that goes um <laughs> i'd like that back please mm. yeah your manual focus button yeah well you uh, you suggested like you're going to go into a rant mode no, not at all. But I, I do remember we've had this question several times over mm. the years. And I always said, I would love it if cameras could just, you press a button and the image would fly up to the cloud. <laughs> and then, you know, it would be there already. Yeah. And then frame.io came out many years after I suggested it, I'd like to say. Mm. Um, I'm saying that in jest, by the way, um, although it's kind of true. Okay. Um, and and that, and that happens now. So I can't I can't actually say that. It, you know, it doesn't exist because that that service does exist. Frame.io. Um, hang, hang on a moment. Your your suggestion was always that you wanted to uh, to squeeze it up to the ether, uh, and then it would be retouched and be sitting on your desk, all done by the time you got home. Well, you, that's what it can do. Does yeah, it do because, that? Does does Frame well, AI do that as well? Then does it? Do the, no, no, no. So with with a little bit of workflow effort, you could do it. So you, you it would 
I presume I've not used it, so I don't know, but I'm mm. I'm guessing it it sends the images. I think it's mostly used for movie stuff at the minute, but I think probably stills would be all right. right. Um, so I, I am making quite a lot of assumptions in this, by the way. Uh, you you can send it off up to a folder, and then you can just write a script on your computer right. to look at you know monitor that folder and apply a, a Photoshop action. That, you know, I could I could do that in five minutes, write that script. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, you can, if you if you know what you're doing, you can do it. And, and also, I would imagine that right now, people are writing packages and software tools and people who are much cleverer and got bigger foreheads than all of us <laughs> will be will be on that case. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was my overall dream was, you know, you press a button, picture goes up to Dropbox or whatever and gets edited and drops into your Lightroom folder. All of that is very, very easy to do now, I think, with yeah. this uh, it's yeah. new technology. So it's not, it does not not exist anymore. But Casey, if you'd have asked me this a year and a half ago, I would have said, that's what I want. Yeah. And now it's there. I just want my button back, Kev. <laughs> yeah, you just want your, your, your button. I just want my button. Okay, uh, so let's answer the question properly then. And um, Casey, what, what is one feature that doesn't exist today on digital cameras generally, yeah. rather than just on one particular one, uh, that you believe would be a game changer? For me, it would be the fabled global shutter, I think, is the terminology they use. Um, what, mm. what that actually means, I don't know. But, you know, what essentially my dream uh, digital camera would be one that you can just look through it with almost like a human eye yeah. and get that exposure. So here, as I'm looking at my screen now, I, I've got good exposure of my screen in my eyesight, but also good exposure of the wall behind it. Point my camera at that all bets are off, you know, the screen will be well exposed at the expense of everything else. So that, that would be my dream is a, uh, I'm not sure if global shutter is the terminology. It's the right term. I'm not sure that's the right, but I know what you mean. So if I yes. look, I'm, I'm looking beyond me at the moment at the, at the door frame, which is perfectly uh, exposed white. And in the foregrounds, my computer screen is just, it, it's fuzzed out a bit, of course. And yeah. Well, by the way, that whining is the dog in the background. Ah. I'm looking after him because he went to have his operation the other day, Kev, and I need to make sure he doesn't lick the parts other dogs shouldn't lick. Oh, uh, he's never going to be a dad, then, is he? Those <laughs> days of five or six hundred quid a pop are done. Mm. Barney, you need to lie down, darling. We're just answering the global shutter problem. And unless you've got something to add into this conversation, there we go. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that would work. I tell you the other thing. Actually, now now we're on a roll with it, Kev. What about uh, some sort of? Um, I'm going to use the wrong term terminology, but while we're talking global, a global lens, a lens that could be any focal length you want. It is just one one lens that does everything. It's an 85 or a 35. I know you might say it's a zoom, but it, it no, it, it, you could choose. You know, 35 or 55, 85. That one lens on one camera. Um, yeah. With a full uh, with a full range that has just the most incredible range from really really wide to reasonably long. Yeah, imagine that in a small in a small not pancake. I'm not expecting a pancake lens, but something <laughs> maybe twice twice the twice the width of a pancake lens. How about that, Kev? Well, I mean, what a powerful thing that would be. Yeah, Opti I think optics like think eyes. My Optics like I think eyes. My one, yeah, optics like eyes. I think my one might come first <laughs> in terms you know? of when the, when the brainy people figure it all out. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's not that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a nice one. Take away a lot of the – I don't know whether I – you know, this – I don't know whether that would 
Uh, and also the, the the same idea of not really having to put much effort into exposure. Mm. Yeah, it takes away the bit of the challenge of it, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. It's a bit like using a mobile phone, isn't it? You just point and it yeah. comes out nice. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, there we go. Here Good we go. question, Casey. All done. Right, let's have our guest for this week. Uh, Christina Varaxina. Now, Christina's work. Uh, she's well. She's one of the new ambassador um, in the new ambassador lineup. There's f- there's four uh, photographers in it now in the ex photographer lineup. We have spoken to two of them actually. You spoke to Pete. Mm-hmm. How long mm-hmm. ago was that? I can't remember. We've got Mr. Whisper to come and Christina. Christina today. We talk about her projects. Uh, which, and I should just uh, probably reverse a little on the introduction I made about half an hour ago when I mentioned the the F word, fashion, because although Christina does shoot models in her work, she champions the work, the body, the persona, uh, the the image of, of what might be termed unconventional beauty in a world of photography that looks for a, a more, um, in, certainly in, in terms of agencies, homogenised look when it comes to advertising. So we're going to talk about three things across our two-parter. A project where, as a photographer, she's, she's made a, a self-portrait study to reveal her vulnerability. Uh, a project called The Essence of Beauty, which challenges, uh, as I was mentioning, the more conventional advertising approach. And then the hows and the whys of becoming a Fujifilm X photographer in the ambassadorial lineup in the UK. Let's meet Christina Varaxina. Christina, before we even talk about your photography, your amazing photography and your career, how was the dentist? <laughs> uh, it, it didn't basically, um, they didn't start any treatment. They just looked at my tooth that oh. was causing me problems and they said that we would need to set up another appointment because oh. it's going to take a long time to, to deal with it. I like yeah. to walk into a dentist for them to do something and then for me to walk away all completely cured. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, no. yeah, I'm with you on that. But, I, yeah, I feel for you. Right. Um, your love affair with visual imagery starts quite young as a child, doesn't it? It sounds like your favourite classroom was the one in the art block. It is. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I just loved drawing as a kid when I was, I don't know, four or five years old, as young as I can remember myself. Um, I would draw portraits of everyone around me, of all my family and then friends when I got older. So it was it was a way of, I guess, capturing someone that I really liked. Yeah. Have you still got those portraits? Um, I think my mom still has some of them, hopefully. Maybe some of my friends have kept them over the years, hopefully. Yeah. But I, I, I personally, I don't. Yeah. It would be an incredible I, thing to find them again, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, you, you took that through to graphic design, but um, graphic design wasn't something you remained in. And I wondered why, because you you went to college, you went to university to learn that, didn't you? Yeah, I studied architecture interior design first, and I thought, well, it's not really my thing. Let me try graphic design, because at that time I was already working at um, like a um, graphic design firm and then at an advertising agency as a graphic designer. Yeah. And I thought I should get a I should get like a proper master's degree in graphic design. And then I, I just got I don't know disillusioned in it yeah. as well. Was it that the advertising work didn't appeal to your soul, or am I thinking too much about it? No, I I, I think. When I was when I just started, when I was really young, I I thought it was really a lot of fun. Yeah. 
and uh you know coming up with all these creative ideas and stories and but then the longer i worked in it i the more i realized that the idea that you have in the beginning and then the result that you get towards the end they are completely different yeah. <laughs> so i just felt like it wasn't me was yeah and i saw i saw other people who are you know the photographers the directors that the agency would hire to implement, the, to bring those ideas to life, you know, they were having mo much more fun than me sitting at an office. And then um, I just thought, yeah, I want to be one of those guys. That's how the photography starts. But obviously, it took a while to build a reputation. You, you're, what is it, about 10, 11 years now uh, a professional? Yeah, probably even a bit more, but yeah. yeah and where, where did all the studying happen? Because I know you were, you were born in Russia, weren't you? Yes. And then in 2010, I moved to the US right. uh, to get another master's now in mm. photography uh, yeah and i started i as i moved i started working right away as a photographer because um that was the only way to sustain myself in a, in a new country where i had no full-time job it wasn't a very regular income but it was it was good like mm. but you at that point you just take any client you find so yeah the, these days of course things have changed I, I i would imagine now you can be a lot more fussy about what you take and who you work with yes yes luckily i can be a bit more selective yeah. and i can be i can have that you know purpose in mind like this is the this is the direction i want to go this is the type of clients i want to work for but those ones are probably not my priority mm. when i look at your work i, I don't um it, it, this might sound strange, but there's. I look at some photographers' work and I think I can imagine you working with a cast of thousands. But when I look at your work, it looks so much more intimate and it doesn't look like the sort of thing where you would necessarily be working or embracing a studio full of people. It's a very intimate way that you have with your clients. Yeah, uh, in many projects it is, uh, it is the case when I try to minimise the amount of people on set and... I try to create that intimate atmosphere, especially when there's nudity involved. And I know, I know that the person who I'm photographing would be more relaxed if there, there are not a lot of people standing and looking at them than looking at the screen. But I, I think it really depends on the job. I don't mind having lots of people on set. It can be really fun and everyone has their own job so they're focused on what they need to be doing so it can be really fun and, and helpful especially with my personal projects i enjoy that time when i can be basically alone with the, with the subject and we can chat and we can discuss all kinds of personal things and connect well talking about personal projects i suppose the most or the ultimate personal project is one where you study yourself and you've been doing that through your self-portraiture. They're just the most extraordinary pictures. And I wonder if I, if I pull a few out, you could explain what the project's about and, and, and why perhaps you appeared a certain way in a particular picture. First of all, why, why the self-portraiture? Why that project? Why was that precious to you? I, I, I'm just trying to remember how it all started, but... I think when I, after I graduated, I had this goal in mind. I had to get into this commercial world and, you know, start building my commercial career and get as much income through clients and, you know. And then I, as years went by, I felt that I needed another creative outlet where I could just be really honest with myself and also with the world, with the message that I wasn't able to tell through other genres of photography and um i think i just decided to experiment why don't i just photograph myself and see if it works 
And then when uh, the pandemic happened, and finally I had more time to just just look into it, look into also into myself, mm. and and uh, decide decide what was really important to me. What was it? The money? Was it the career? Or was it something else? And I was just I just started pulling out those things that you know what really made me me. And I thought if I'm gonna do that project, it has to be it has to be myself that will be in the in front of the camera. Well, and and it's a very intimate. Uh, I mean, the the pictures aren't completely nude, but but they are practically uh, yeah. many of them. That's not the focus of the project, I know, but it, it does mean that you've laid yourself. Um, literally bare and uh, which is an uncomfortable thing I, w- I would imagine in photographic terms or did you find it wasn't as uncomfortable as you as you uh, as, as you suspected the first ones were really uncomfortable yeah, or yeah. I was really afraid if I'm gonna share it you know because I had students my my former students who followed me I had you know my my mom for example like how <laughs> how people would react to it I had no idea and it was scary but, but it wasn't uncomfortable to shoot because it was just me mm. and the camera mm. but I was conscious of not revealing too much yeah. and um I I also thought at the moment that if I cannot show my vulnerability that people will just not believe me so I had to I had to you know show that other side like uh, the vulnerable side of me well, the vulnerability actually is 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 the subject of each picture. There's one one particular one I'm looking at here, where uh, you must have had somebody help you here because there's no way you could have drawn on yourself quite so well, <laughs> unless you yeah. can. I don't know, but there, there's the picture, and I've seen something like this with regard to mental health in the past. Where, and I don't know whether that inspired you or this was totally fresh in your mind. But it's so powerful. There's the word "ugly" uh, written uh, upon your forehead for a start, and then other, and then other messages that are not kind messages that you've written or, or that are on your on your body. Things that you feel about yourself. Was that a reflection of the time it was taken? Was that one of the pictures made during the lockdown at all? It was actually right before the lockdown. I just moved to London and I met this really amazing. We, we've become friends since then. Uh, make artist and uh, I asked her if she would collaborate with me on this self-portrait mm. and so she helped me uh, drawing all those words and um, I remember us both non-native English speakers <laughs> looking up the words you know what el- like what else can we what other word can we find that descriptive word of of that self-talk yeah. of that negative self-talk that we especially as women we often experience about our own appearance, but other qualities as well. So um, it was really important to me to let it out because that's that's the negative talk I had had for years. The photograph with the red twine all around you, I was trying to decipher the message on that one. I think if you just, when you just look at it, instead of trying to decipher the message, the verbally decipher it, yeah. if you just ask yourself, what it makes me feel as opposed to what it makes me think and usually people say it's really uncomfortable i feel uh, restrained i feel suffocated i feel you know all these emotions that come to you and so that's what i wanted to basically reflect and i wanted the viewer to feel it i just wanted the viewer to feel what i felt at the moment 
It is an extraordinary self-portrait project, and I recommend you go look at this. There are there are um, others, Christina, such as the one where you're covered in sticking plasters, which I which I read as almost fighting fires in your life, where you're constantly solving a problem with a with a sticking plaster, and before you've got a chance to sort it out, another one comes along, and you end up just one big. Uh, sticking plaster, and and I guess because they are untitled on your website, that you're inviting us to work out how you are feeling. I, I think it's really good when uh, people have that personal response. They try to to understand, oh, how I would have felt if I were in that position, or this is what it makes me feel. Um, you know, I I don't want the viewer to exactly know oh this is what it is about yeah. and then you move on that that image doesn't stay with you but i think if there's a bit of a mystery to to it or a bit of a puzzling kind of feeling mm. then you can you can hopefully think about it more and it will stay with you more um and everyone can either relate to it or can find their, that explanation within themselves. And so for me, it could have been about one thing. But for you, it could be about something, another maybe painful experience yeah. in your life that you can sort of relate to. Well, there are extraordinary pictures. Have, have you, is there a sense of closure on the project now or is, or is, or is this ongoing? It's ongoing. It is ongoing. Um, the Essence of Beauty is the other one that I, I wanted to discuss with you. Um, I'm really taken by by this work. It's a project, a story, if you like, about unconventional beauty. But let's start by unpicking those two words, unconventional beauty. Uh, what do you mean by that? Uh, the whole idea of why I started that project came to me while I was closely connected uh, to the industry of fashion and beauty. I was photographing a lot of beauty and fashion campaigns and lookbooks and mm. editorials and whatnot. And um, at some point, I just felt like I'm not bringing any change into this industry or into the visual media in general. I'm just kind of perpetuating the same narrative. And the narrative is like, you have to, as a woman, but as a man as well, you have to, there's a certain standard that you're supposed to look like and you have to follow that standard. Otherwise, you're not worthy of love, attention, you know, all these other things of successful life attached to it. And um, and I thought it was really wrong because this is, you know, how I wouldn't, you know, like to talk to myself or my children, for example, or someone younger than me. This is not the message what I wanted to give to those people. And I thought I should start a project that would talk about beauty in other words and find an answer to what beauty actually is, as opposed to these conventional standards that we see in advertising and fashion. Do you, do you think social media and the, the sort of swipe right culture is uh, that something that perhaps has perpetuated this? Definitely. And uh, sometimes I'm afraid that it, it has made it even worse, mm. especially for the younger generation who are using this filter like beauty filters and all that you know it's super unrealistic expectations of yeah. what a face or a body should look like i i understand where it comes from from our own insecurities mm. um but then again where do those insecurities come from so you, you went out to to look for sitters that were unconventionally beautiful how did you find them 
Uh, it started, uh, I think the first picture that actually inspired me, uh, the first photo shoot that I did with one with, with, she's a professional model. So she, she does some fashion and beauty work. And I met her on a shoot for another, for another project. And, uh, she had alopecia. And so I was just amazed by that inner light, mm. how you can still feel super beautiful, super confident, even you, if you have this, um, condition and um she moved like a cat and i thought oh what if i find a cat that also looks like her uh with no hair and i photographed them together and there was this very interesting feedback a lot of people uh thought it was really cool and got really excited about it and asked me a lot of questions and uh reshared and posted and um, uh, even some magazines featured it but also a lot of people said, oh, it's, it makes me uncomfortable mm. or it's disgusting. And I thought, wow, if people still get a response like that, that was 2019. Uh, we definitely need to start talking about yeah. this. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, I met her accidentally, but then I started looking around me. And the second model who I photographed for this project was a niece of a friend of mine uh, who has um who has a disability. She has a problem with one eye. It's kind of you know missing. I know the picture. Um, yeah. Or she was born with a missing eye, but yeah. then she she's had some surgeries done to it. But she's absolutely beautiful, and when you meet her, she's just full of that inner light and kindness, and the way she just treats everyone around. You just fall in love with her immediately. And, and I thought this is the message that I want to get across that when we meet someone, we don't really judge them by, you know, all these conventional standards. We just think, do we want to be more around this person or do we want to have nothing with them? And so, and yeah, that's, that's how it kind of continued. And I was, I was looking around me, finding people through social media a lot, actually, uh, through friends as well. And uh, even through this agency called Zebedee. I know, yes, I know of Zebedee. I spoke to um, the, the founders a couple of years ago. And they were leading the way at the time, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed working with them and we still work. Mm. And so, yeah, so they're really Are there more diversity agencies now? Uh, or, or So the, the, so the big well-known agencies where, in inverted commas, conventional beauty is championed by them. Have have they started to move more into markets where diversity and the kind of portraits we're talking about here is allowing more people to work who are not Instagram beautiful, as it were? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think there are agencies who um, add other boards of more real looking people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there have been like curvy boards and, and things like that, but they still, even if, if they find women or men um, or non-binary individuals, that the body is not that traditional model standard skinny, they're still beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so there's still, there's still that uh, selection happening. But luckily, I think uh, some of the agencies started realizing that actually there's a demand to see real people don't look like models and i think it's a great trend and christina will join us for part two next time kev right we should give a healthy mention and a big hearty thank you and uh, they had uh, an well it was a bonus edition last time wasn't it where you spoke with pick-time.com we got a bit more in depth about um, the the use of the software so our thanks to pick time uh, for sponsoring this show uh, for being our be, being our wing people 
uh, well, <laughs> they certainly are, aren't they? Because it's software that both yourself and I use. Um, if you haven't used PickTime before, if you've just joined us for the first time, if you're thinking, what on earth is PickTime, Kev will now tell you. Yeah, so PickTime is, if you're a professional photographer, almost essential nowadays, I would say. Yeah. Uh, it's an online, well, it's far more than an online gallery system. It's a, it's an entire way of archiving your work. It's a, gallery, it's a beautiful gallery system. You can now do um, blogging throughout it and embed that either directly through their system or into something like Squarespace. Uh, you can sell your prints. You could do everything with it, and it it's uh, it's it's definitely the thing that I think both Neil and I is would be the very 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 last thing that we would cut out of our business if we had zero money, um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you can get one month free with the code Fujicast all uppercase. Uh, pick-time.com and if you if you are listening to this and you hadn't listened to the last episode if you listen to the last episode and you wait till the very end you will hear my little um, uh, interview with uh, Amir and Naritu who are the founders of PickTime and they, they talk a lot about the uh, the way that they interact with the community and also uh, especially about this new blogging platform that they're, they're building into PickTime which is part of the price you don't yeah. pay any extra for it You're going to use the blogging thing aren't you? You said you were going to use it for a specific purpose am i right about that have i got that wrong did i dream that kev i've i've um i've since slept of course yeah no we had we did have a conversation about it and uh it was a private conversation that i told not to say publicly oh but right did. no, no <laughs> we did we did have a conversation and i can't remember whether it was on air or not but anyway yes so i'm gonna do it i'm gonna try and do uh when weddings uh start up again which for me is in Mm, two weeks. Um, yeah, I've got um, one in two weeks. Um, will yeah. be yeah, private a private blog for the clients only and their friends and family. Yeah, really nice cool. idea. How does that change? Well, um, I'm not being a devil with this, but but or an advocate, but but um, how does that change them by just having the normal gallery and a and a blog? I'll just be a little bit more um, kind of uh, rather than thinking. So, well, okay, let's let's put it like this. If you, whenever you write a blog post on your website, yeah. um, currently, right, yeah. that the entire focus and and, pr- and and the practical reason of that blog post is to attract future clients, yes, not to pacify previous clients, correct? So the idea I have is to do these private blog posts, which is um, as a as a gift to those clients, those existing clients, oh, the, the, that particular oh, wedding. Okay. It might include more photos. Yeah. It might include a little bit more anecdotal text. Um, but the idea is that that's for them, right. whereas the blog post right. that goes onto my public-facing website is not for them, never has been, never will be. That is purely entirely for future clients to hopefully take a look at and go, we love you, Kev. Here's some money. <laughs> we, we always love you, Kev. Um, <laughs> how important are blogs, by the, by the way, now? Um, I, I read The only reason I ask this is because I was reading – oh, I can't remember where I read it. I was reading something recently about the – the uh, dissatisfaction with, um, with with social media, and in, in particular, the old Instagram argument at the moment, where people saying, "Oh, you know, it's not very good for searching anymore." Um, I'm getting less and less work through it. Doesn't seem as relevant because it's always showing you stuff you don't want to see, and people well, that they're, you, use, you they're know, using it wrong. Da, 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 da. Um, and so, and so, blog is uh, blogging is becoming more important all over again. Um, what do you mean they're using it wrong? I mean, if you post, they you post. In, in, they, they're using Instagram wrong. It's you know, it's it's Instagram is driving probably three quarters of my inquiries. What? Um, really? Yeah. How? In, in, what? Inquiries are way down for yeah. everybody. I think we all know that uh, wedding inquiries. But yeah, I mean, 
I'm, uh, I would say, at le- well, over 50% of my inquiries come through Instagram. Yeah. It's going and, down. And, it's going you know, down. It's going down by the second there, Kev. Well, okay. <laughs> it's it's. I don't know the exact number is what I'm saying, but it's it's substantial. It's enough for me to know that it's you know it's a good thing. It's and, at least twenty percent. <laughs> yeah, four, four. <laughs> but but no, I mean, uh, yeah, okay, right. Hang on a sec. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll bring. You're up very good because you you actually keep you keep data. You are you're you're a you're a bit like a. Oh, that, that's data sound for you. <laughs> that's my database coming up. Uh, yeah, I have it all in an access Ke- database. Careful, Kev, because um, if you've got TikTok on that same machine, you know who's going to be watching. TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So here we go. Um, my last five inquiries. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Georgina found me through a friend. Yeah. Emily found me on Google. Yeah. Larry found me on Instagram. Yeah. Alex did not give me a uh, reason. Ollie uh, found me on Instagram. Charlene said social media. Poppy said uh, searching story, uh, searching documentary photography on Instagram. Hannah, Google. Brittany, I followed you in your work for many years. Sarah, Google. Marcus, Google. Laura, Google. Uh, Gabby actually says hashtag wedding photographer UK on Instagram and mm. seeing your beautiful work in the feed. Gabby said she heard to me, uh, she heard about me from you. Right. <laughs> uh, Sarah was Google. I'm glad I featured uh, somewhere in there. <laughs> so I could keep going, but yeah, yeah there's enough. And yeah. uh, so, you know, it, it, Instagram is, is, I'm not, we've had this conversation so many times before. Well, we, but, we have, but we, we haven't, we haven't though, because, um, Parameters have changed a lot with the, that social platform where a lot of people are, are really not satisfied with it anymore and don't see it as part of um, part of their cohesive uh, business strategy, he says, almost sounding like he knows what he's talking about. Um, but but in Instagram, well, what are you doing with Instagram that's different to other people then that you should be finding that it that it's a bit more of a joyous experience when it comes to business for you. How many well, hashtags are you using? How much are you writing? How many words? How often uh, are you doing it? I, I, so I, I, I would, I'm just going to go over to the wall and whack my head very hard against it because <laughs> uh, I, I literally had a conversation. And honestly, it was this week. I can't remember exactly what day, but yeah. this week must yeah. have been Monday. Yeah. Um, with somebody who I'd spoken to so many times before, uh, regular listener to the show, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I looked at their Instagram, doing all the things that I've suggested. And it's not just me that suggests this, it's just common sense that suggests this, that they don't do. Multiple um, hashtags, dot, 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 hashtag at the bottom, not replying to comments, aggressive guerrilla marketing, like posting every day, every single time at 10 a.m. or whatever. So using automated tools to do it. None of that stuff None of that stuff will lead you, lend the algorithms to think that you're a, a an organic social media person. So social media, it's social. It's meant to be social. It's yeah. not meant to mean guerrilla marketing, guerrilla advertising. So, uh, yeah. So what I do is I put a picture up when I feel like it. I write some text. I reply to the comments when I can. Um, I use no more than three or four hashtags. I don't break it. Don't try and bend the rules. Don't try and do anything. And also yeah. I don't get stressed by it. And the next person who says to me, yeah, it's all right for you, Kev. You've got 34 and a half thousand <laughs> Instagram followers. I will actually just no, Kev, get no. the belt out and, and hit them over the head with it. Because, oh, it, you know, we were, as a, we were all, and I'm fed up with saying this as well. We were all born naked mm. and I started with zero and you started with zero and everybody else started with zero. And if you don't put the effort in and you, you're just 
you know, you just go, well, I've got an Instagram Instagram account. Oh, well, I haven't got any followers. Mm. I haven't got any, I haven't got giving me any work. I can't be asked for this. It's not working. It is working. Instagram is working. You're not using it correctly. There you go. Um, but yes, blogging is still important. Be told. Um, <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting as well that you are using images that I'm fairly familiar with. So, you know, do go back into your catalogue and look for stuff that you're proud of. Is there a chance that sometimes pictures could uh, appear twice in a feed, uh, let's say yeah. about four or five years apart? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what you're looking at is that re- those recent two pictures. Yes, I am. I think you, you I must be looking at my Instagram feed now. I am. Yeah, so one of the things that I've been doing over the last kind of six weeks or so is is creating a um, Lightroom catalogue with every single delivered picture that I've given to every client um, so I have them all in one Lightroom catalogue now, right. every single one, what? Uh, what? all the way back to 2008. God. And what that's uh, enabled me to do is every now and again, when I'm going through these pictures is go, oh, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I re-edit it. And I've re- uh, in some cases, I've re-edited old weddings and put them back on my website, right. um, all of that stuff. But yes. So that the particular the latest image, which is the one of the two kids, mm. definitely definitely has been on my Instagram probably within the last two years. Mm. But it was black and white, I think. So this is color. Re-edited it. Yeah, and I recognise the one with the uh, the vicar that looks like he's going for a wedding guest. That looks filthy, Kev. But that is yeah, actually but that, the that story- hasn't been on Instagram. Uh, I know I'm that. Sure. Uh, is it not okay? But the story behind that is that that's his wife, isn't it? That is his wife, yeah. I use it at workshops. That's probably where you've seen that at talks. I probably and stuff. have, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great, it's a cracking picture. That's interesting. <laughs> um, and um, well, while we're on this subject, I know we've talked about this before, Kev, but there's always a new a new guest along. Camera pictures, I know you've lamented this. They do very well on your feed. Um, I know that. I know that it. Well, it not so much upsets you, but but that's just a fact of life, isn't it? Look at that. <laughs> so we've got a lovely uh, let me look at that that lovely picture of of the uh, uh of of the vicar and, the, and his wife just a moment ago 756 likes i know we don't live by likes but we are for this particular example but a picture of a camera uh which was the xt5 nicely done kev nice bit of um uh, nice well that's it. that's in your studio isn't it i like that mm-hmm. it's a still life of an xt5 kev um 1700 yeah. it's it's just that is um oh look it's got that button on the front kev <laughs> yeah i mean if you look at <laughs> i want the yeah. button kev <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but but you know what you also have to remember is that my my business to a certain extent were you know when i was an ambassador i saw that as my role to to kind of do that yeah I, not any longer so i probably won't be doing those kind of things so much but it you know it's it that's fine that's that's the thing mm. It could be anything, but I'm not. I'm not adverse. You know, there's pictures of Rosa on there. There's a picture of my black belt. You must be fed up with me saying that by now. Um, <laughs> never, but, but most, never, never. Mostly, <laughs> it's. Uh, you know, I went when I went to the races with the boys the other day. They, they, we we got to the train station and said, "Right now, Kev, the rule of the day is you do not mention the judo." <laughs> oh, they should have just done it. If you, for every every time you mention judo, you have to buy a bet for for them all. <laughs> that would have stopped you. <laughs> uh yeah no well i am very proud so anyway but yes there you, go. Uh, yeah. you know it's but instagram honestly it's it, it shouldn't be a drama and if you find it a drama and you don't like doing it then fine find something else that works but yeah. you, you know you, it's the people that say instagram just does not work for business yeah i'm sorry they are wrong they're not using but it correctly wedding photographer business obviously but that's it they're wrong yeah 
that's the end of it. What's more, it, what, if I'm not, not talking about it anymore. No, if, that's I'm going to ask you one more question. If you could do one, if you could only blog or use Instagram, what would you choose? Blog. Right. Okay. It's still yeah. it's still got an importance in the business, clearly. Yeah, of- absolutely. So that goes back right to what you said, you know, at the beginning. Because ultimately, people will go via Instagram and they'll go to your website, yeah. and that's when they'll explore more. Um, but yes, I absolutely believe, even with the the new kind of um, the, the world of AI, chat AI, and all that kind of stuff, we're in it. Yeah. People are, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, well, now with all of the AI chat stuff, we won't need websites anymore because Google will, will, you know, will do it all for us. Or mm. Bing, the Bing AI stuff is is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but they won't. They, you know, not not from not in our business. You know, people are not going to go to the chat system and say, hey, chat, mm. uh, tell me about five wedding photographers who are near me, and then it will give them like five bits and pieces. Who is the best? And it, it will have its opinion. Uh, do any of them do black and white? Yeah, of course, some of them do black and white, blah, 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 blah. But it's not going to show them any pictures or, or yeah. you know, show them pricing and all that kind of stuff. Well, certainly not yet. Yeah. So your blog is, is uh, yeah, absolutely critical. I think it's still really, 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 really super important. That is a b- beautiful picture, by the way, of, um, you know this, I know, and uh, of of, um, of your daughter, Rosa. What a picture in your studio, Kev. Gorgeous. Yeah, Amazing. she's lovely. That is, that's a lovely picture. <laughs> she looks like she's humouring you slightly. <laughs> she, she's got those eyes. Of, <laughs> are we done? Come on. You promised me something for this. <laughs> no, it is a lovely. All joking aside, what a lovely picture, Kev. That really is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, what about Twitter, Kev? Do you, do you, uh, do you, do you still, uh, do you still tweet? Do you like it? Really. Are you partial to an odd tweet here and there? I'm partial to an odd tweet. Yeah. I have to say, I still use it when I'm, if I'm mentioning venues or something like that, I'll still yeah. tweet if they've got a Twitter account, yeah. but, but yeah, no, I mean, Twitter has never, ever been a place for getting clients. It's always been a place for, okay. um, building okay. relationships <laughs> with venues and stuff. And having, ar- yeah, and having arguments with the director. General. Arguments, <laughs> yeah. The whole, the whole Musk thing has left a very bitter taste. Yes. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't like, I do, do you know, originally when you first mentioned it, that you would come off of, uh, was it you that said you might come off it because of Musk? I think you did say that Kev. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, ha- I haven't actually done the delete thing yet, but no. I, I probably, I well, I did at the time I was thinking, Kev, you're well, over the top here but i just the the culture and the whole thing that's changed about twitter it's really disheartening isn't it and it's the poor people that work for him you know they work they work you know put their life and soul into it a lot yeah, of them and then yeah. you know, he publicly humiliates them on yeah, on, yeah. on the own platform they built yeah yeah awful karma anyway. kev karma kev it'll come right where are we with questions i thought that was a really interesting bit though because so many people use yes. instagram and um and it's never boring to revisit it because there's always something new that's said within the within the conversation. Shall I go for an email here from Will Collin? Yeah. We've uh, probably lost about 500 listeners, No, by the not way, at you know, all. No, not at all. Rant. No, not at all, Kev. It's important stuff. But, you know, it, it, is, it is still the platform people rant and rave about but use. It's that kind of like, um, you know, love to hate. Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. I wanted to ask about something you've spoken about a couple of times previously on the show. Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you felt that coming then, didn't you? I'll, I get my coat. <laughs> no, it's not about that. You've said before that you sharpen your images as the last step after you've finished your main editing. Could you please explain a little more about why you do it at the end of the editing process and not the beginning? 
Um, he does have a reason for asking this, and this might fill some more information for your answer. My, my reason for asking is that I've recently started using Topaz Photo AI on some shots, in addition to my usual editing in Capture One. I think Photo AI combines sharpening with denoising and various other corrections. To be honest, I found that if I left it to its own devices, it does tend to overdo stuff, and the exported images can end up looking a bit fake. So generally, I turn down the sliders on everything it does. But that's probably a subject for a, for a different question. Topaz says that Photo AI does its best job when you give it a raw file to work on. Um, anyway... Is he doing it the wrong way round? Would it be better to use Capture One first, export the edited shot as a DNG, and then put this into Photo AI as the final step? Uh, thank you for your sage counsel. Will Collin. Hmm. Well, no, I've noticed that with Topaz AI as well, that when you open it up, it says it's better to use an unedited raw file first, which I don't know the reasoning behind that but it's clearly right you know they would they know what they're doing far more than than we do um but for me i i, I only i i mean i do use that tool occasionally but not often and it's not part of the workflow as such no. but for me i've always um you know used it as output sharpening it's called output sharpening in the export dialogue as well mm-hmm. where uh, you know it's it's the last thing you're sharpening for the um, for the, the the eventual end game of the of the image, whether that's uh, a print or whether it's for screen. So when I export, um, I do my sharpening at the end. The, if I'm exporting for web, I'm sharpening for them for JPEGs. If I'm exporting them to go to print, I'm sharpening them for print. And that's why I always do it at the end. I have uh, at the end a, a similar sort of thing to you, but. Um there's a sharpening and there's a uh, a denoising uh, going on right at the end of the process. But I have it set up for different ISO ranges. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you can do that. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. It seems, seems, seems to work pretty well. But I... Yeah. I have had. Um, I mean, there's been there's, there's been quite a while where, where I went through not sharpening anything at all because I just thought I don't want this, and that goes back to something we said right at the start of today's show about the the uh, unauthentic, um, oversharpened, digitalized images, and and um, I found that not sharpening it to me, to my eyes, to my little eyes, they're not Welsh. Um, felt <laughs> felt like it felt like it was a bit more authentic, a bit more filmic maybe mm. or am i just kidding yeah. myself yeah well no i mean everybody you know the, the the beauty of it is that we you know some people love super sharp images um and and, and they have a place of course if it's certainly if it's kind of commercial work mm. um some people like a little bit of uh you know you know i mean there's a whole whole movement isn't there called icm in, intentional camera movement, movement is it? Yeah, yeah 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 um so you know uh, yeah it depends on what your what your business is what your workflow is i certainly wouldn't be jumping through all those hoops of going through a dng converter into capture one i think in this case then through to uh the topaz stuff yeah i would just do it at the end it sounds <laughs> it and do it at the end if it's needed it sounds way too confusing that um there's so mm. much going on in your workflow and if you're if you're a fine art um photographer and you only work on one image for example for it might well be a very valid yeah. way of doing something yeah absolutely yeah. but if you're doing hundreds upon hundreds of images that workflow to my mind seems way more complex than it needs to be yeah but that's, yeah, I think so. that's just because doing hundreds of images right facebook kev i think we've got time for one more one more question from facebook kev uh hang on i'll close it down 
the enthusiasm is is palpable i can almost taste it in the ether uh, okay right uh quick question from ivan creeth he says quick question for the show i was wondering qq i was wondering what kevin and neil think is the opposite of street photography house photography <laughs> Uh, in the house photography don't go out photography i don't know what's the opposite of street photography not not going out not going out i love that show i love that not, show too nah, not, not we're not going out we're not staying in that one isn't it lee mack brilliant i yeah, love him mack, I, li- I like lee yeah uh, yeah i mean that's a that's quite a fascinating question in my mind because if you were to ask that in some of the very highbrow street photography facebook groups they would be like, well, if it hasn't got a person and it's not 100% candid, then it's not street photography. Yeah. Uh, whereas I, I've always said to people, street photography for me is my boundary for it is the candid element. But it could be, you know, you could be into architectural photography and you're just take, you know, you're wandering around the streets and you're looking for lovely buildings and you're looking for the light that's falling on that them. That could be street. There's no reason why that's yeah, not street. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, in my mind, have to have people in it and all of that kind of stuff so what is the opposite of street photography if i was to if it it was me and i was the only one defining it i would say anything that was not candid is uh you know so i i kind of the the candid element is the is the critical thing for me but that is absolutely just me and uh you know it's a lot of people have a very different opinion as kev says your mileage may vary Indeed, it may. Right, that's it for a, for another time. Um, if you'd like to get your questions in, how are we doing with the questions at the moment, Kev? I'm, I think my email my email box could be a little bit fuller. My or Facebook um, Facebook's all right. Yeah, that's not too right. bad. We've got we've got a trickle. Um, I've still got some to go to get back through. I've just found a whole load from 2021. Never answered. So. <laughs> what, Kev? <laughs> They'd have tuned up by now. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll be on to, they'll be on Steve's need... Sony Cast, won't they? <laughs> yeah, they will. I need to do a new. I need to do a new post because it's getting a bit complicated. Yeah, yeah. Do people, new... are answer, people are jumping in and answering the questions and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, which uh, yeah. Read read them the right at Kev. Don't they know you got a black belt, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and I know how to use Instagram. Yeah, and you tell them that uh, if they don't stop <laughs> it, you're going to do some, yeah. some naked jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, we get Scott on the show. <laughs> stop them. Right, that's it for another week. If you'd like to send your questions in, if you want to do it by Facebook, Kev, how do we do it? Uh, Facebook, go to join the Fujicast Facebook group, and which is a very nice group, by the way. It's not just about the questions for the show. And uh, yeah, post a question in the questions for the show. <laughs> Please do. I will do my level best to ignore it for two years. <laughs> we <laughs> we might get to it. It. Yeah, and in the meantime, I'll get really humpy that you've not been sending us anything in. <laughs> Click at fujicast.co.uk has been our age-old email address. Please use that as well if you'd like to send in some uh, do you know you can send it although we do the picture reviews really as part of our patron pop-up of which we're going to make one now kevin it's going to be out when this program comes out um but uh, you can send your pictures in because it's always nice to see what you're doing click at fujicast.co.uk right that's it kev i'm off to practice naked jujitsu and uh, i'll see you next time bye-bye Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.